Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank Discussion with Passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15, I want to focus on fighting, not the kind you do in the ring, but uh, what we do as couples. And I want to know, have you been fighting more during the pandemic? And do you feel that you fight fair? We'll talk about what a fair fight in a couple looks like, what unhealthy versus healthy fighting looks like tonight. So I think everybody can gain something from this because I don't know one couple on this planet, well, I do know, and they're not the healthiest, who never fight, right? Uh, But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. All right, you know, you can always email me your questions to lori at drlori.com. A little bit of leftovers from yesterday. Uh, Tell the caller who can't wait to get a lap dance that anal flatulence carries viral particles too. But I don't suppose people who want a stranger's genitals in their face would care. (laughs) So uh, that's true. Um, There is particles. The virus is found in... I'm not sure about the flatulence part. I'm not sure how much goes in the air, but uh, I suppose if you're that close to somebody's uh, back and front, that might be a problem. Uh, and then somebody else had said uh, when we they were asking if, uh, if uh, places were open, uh, strip clubs were open, and I think I got one response that said that only places that served food were going to be open. So probably not yet, unless you're going for the buffet, the food buffet. I don't know if there's a, if there's such a thing right now. Uh, so if you know, you can let us uh, let the rest of us know as well. Uh, and this question: Can you truly be in love? in an open relationship. So what's an open relationship? Basically what we understand, the other word for open relationship is consensual non-monogamy, meaning that you consent as a couple to have uh, sex outside of your relationship. But there's different kinds of open relationships. There's um, you guys, whoever decides to be in one who, who are consensually non-monogamous, decide on the rules. So it's not necessarily a free-for-all unless that's what you discuss, but it's more about what are the parameters of this openness, right? So some people are polyamorous, which is they are okay with having a primary relationship. And then, uh, for example, I have a husband, but I also have a boyfriend or two, or he has a wife and he has a girlfriend or two, but everybody's aware of the situation. And there's a primary relationship, which they hold dear to this primary relationship. Then you have others that are swingers or that it go to sex clubs or what have you. And there's parameters around that too, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. They have to decide that on their own. And those are primarily for sexual activity rather than there's no love or intimacy involved in all of that. So Having spoken to many people who practice consensual non-monogamy, they all tell me they are very much in love with their primary partners and that that has nothing to do with the recreational sex they have outside of their uh, their relationship. So 
it, it they like they still the connection between the two is there. Think of it sex as playtime for them and playing with other partners without that whole emotional component. When they're together, that emotional component is there plus the sexuality. So that's a, a very different. And these people who do engage in this do talk about very strong bonds with their primary uh, partners and being in a uh, um, loving their partners. The other thing too is if I look at the statistics on, um, for example, men who cheat. There was a, a couple of studies done on on the reasons and how men felt about their partners, their wives, etc. And uh, close to eighty percent, if not more than eighty percent, of the men who cheated had still said they loved, they were in love with their wives, or that they still loved their wives and did not want to break up their marriage. So there you have kind of two sides to that. One is the where the everybody's in agreement, which of course is the way to go, not the the betrayal part because when um, everybody's on the same page or everybody's in agreement, much less uh, well there's no there's no sense of betrayal because you're talking about it you're able to talk about it you're able to debrief you're able to to tell each other what you're comfortable with what you're not comfortable with these these relationships tend to have much better communication actually and the relationships where infidelity happens tend to have way worse um, communication uh, yes, it's true. Virus even goes airborne when flushing the toilet. Yes, this uh, this I heard because it's in the feces. I just don't know about the farting. That's the only thing um, that I was saying. But yes, so the, the recommendation is when you flush the toilet, keep the seat down. Of course, in a public uh, public bathrooms, they often don't have it, uh, the top of the seat, right? So uh, that's a different situation, which makes me a little feel a little icky about using uh, public bathrooms right now. But nonetheless, uh, how much should couples fight in front of the kids, if at all, and how? So we'll talk about uh, fighting coming up after uh, after ten fifteen, but. Generally speaking, you should really avoid uh, exposing kids to conflict because for them it's really scary. Uh, they start to question: Will our my parents get divorced? Is this does this spell the end of the relationship? Having disagreements with a partner over a difference of opinion over something, and then resolving it. So having a disagreement is not the same as an all-out fight. You're calling each other names. You're you're yelling at each other. Kids should not be exposed to this. You should not be doing this is uh, makes them feel very insecure so not a good idea at all uh, but having disagreements and then showing them how to resolve that you you are able to resolve and you're able to show love towards each other they realize oh okay so couples can disagree on things maybe their voices can elevate a little bit but then mom and dad ultimately love each other because they 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 kiss and make up kind of thing and and they're able to uh, to see that. So that's uh, the long and short of it uh, there. How can you possibly devote your heart to someone who will have sex with someone else? I don't buy it for a second. Sex is an intimate act. For you, maybe, but for a lot of people, uh, sex can be just sex, and sex does not have to be 
uh, intimate. And intimacy and sexuality are not the same thing. Obviously, um, I believe the most satisfactory sex happens when the two things are there at the same time. But uh, it, but sex for some people does not have to include any level of intimacy and can be just done for for sport, for lack of a better better word. So, for people who are um, monogamous in their hearts and who cannot separate sex from the the closeness and the intimacy and the 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 connection at a deeper level and i'm with you on that because i'm i'm one of those people um then it's very hard for us to understand how someone else can do it but the reality is they can and that's how they explain it and why they can feel the love and be in love with somebody and still be able to have sex with other people outside of the relationship. But we're not all wired for this. That's the thing. And there was a study that looked at ge- the genetic makeup. Like there are, it seems to be that there's some of us that are wired for monogamy and there are others who are wired for non-monogamy. You just got to know which one you are so that you don't get into a relationship falsely thinking, you know, um, like at least if you're aware, you can say, look, I don't believe in monogamy and, and I'm, I want to be in an open relationship right off the bat rather than introduce it later. Uh, coming up, fair fighting. What does that, uh, look like? And do you fight fair? From the pleasure and the politics to the hangups and the heartbreak. You're listening to Passion, CJD 800. I'm sure we can all agree that there is definitely a place for disagreement and argument in any healthy relationship. And fighting, even for those successful, healthy couples, is an inevitable part of living together. And conflict is not necessarily a sign of an unhealthy marriage or an unhealthy relationship. I have said this before. I think I worry more about couples who tell me they never argue or they never fight. To me, that says that uh, somebody is um, like, sucking it up, you know, is not, is not vocalizing how they truly feel or doesn't dare disagree or, or so so it's an indicator of maybe something else that's happening. Now, obviously during these particular times, couples who are in close quarters together for a very long time, there's going to be more opportunity and it's not just opportunity, but it's creating a condition uh, of, um, unceasing togetherness. And for some people it's sometimes it can be unbearable. And, uh, and so you fight and there are plenty of things to fight about. What are the things that most people fight about? Money, time, especially now, right? Money, time, mess, sex, and kids. Those are the, um, the most common, um, points of arguments. But when we argue about these things, is it really about that? Because it's not, everybody will have arguments around these, these issues, everybody, but it's in the way in which 
partners interact together, especially when they're feeling in distress that, uh, that will determine the success of it or the healthiness of it or the unhealthiness of it. Obviously now there's a lot more distress, um, for couples, especially I'm thinking of parents who have had uh, four months now of constant childcare and, uh, trying to juggle work and teaching the kids and keeping the kids busy and trying to figure out something equitable in the relation, like, you know, in terms of chores and in terms of all of this time. So, uh, all these things can obviously, um, you know, be grounds, be a, a fertile ground for, uh, feeling in distress. And when we feel in distress, we, uh, we tend to lash out. Who do we lash out to? To the people who are right, uh, around us. Right. But what happens in, in, in a fight? And the thing is, if we're going to, we need to talk about fighting, but also about communication. Fighting is not communication. Fighting is, um, it's an explosion of sorts, right? This is not a way to communicate how one feels or even communicate a position or anything. That's not what fighting is about. And when we look at what fighting does to us physically, we really need to learn to deescalate those fights quickly. Fighting activates our cardiovascular system. It makes our blood pressure go up. It makes our heart rate go up. And when all these systems go up, of course, you're at a, your, your health is at stake here. So imagine where this happens frequently in, in a relationship, right? Uh, what this is doing to your system. So we have to learn how to fight better. We have to learn how to deescalate these, uh, these fights and remind ourselves and remind each other that there's still love there, that we are still connected, that we are still a team, something that's hard to do when you're in, when you're in fighting mode, but maybe we can learn a few things here together, uh, tonight. All right. The passion poet sends one a poem here. You are having an argument. There is no end in sight. The yelling begins. You are now in a fight. It is normal to disagree, but if you follow these rules, you just might may find they are good tools. Rule number one, no raising your voice. This applies to you both. There is no choice. Rule number two, I will listen to you without interruption. You will have your turn too. Rule number three, will avoid a demise. You both must be willing to make a compromise. You will quickly learn regardless of the retributions. There are really no problems. There are only solutions. Well, I can, I can say bye now. We've said it all. It's uh, well said in a very short time. Um, you're right. All of those tools are important. All of those things are things that, um, that we have to remind ourselves about. Uh, let's see, uh, now we are fighting about her not following the rules and having everybody and their mother over to our house without physical distancing. Okay. So this is from JD. This is, um, a problem that many couples are facing right now when, uh, 
if you're not on the same page in terms of risk assessment for yourself, because remember during, during this pandemic, and especially now as things start reopening, you may be more comfortable with certain things and your partner may be less comfortable with certain things. You both are living under the same roof. We ha- there has to be a way to respect each other and, and, and each other's anxieties. This is a, a unprecedented times, right? We're dealing with something we've never had to really deal with before. So we have to start thinking about this. And th- this is a good opportunity to learn some skills where we have to negotiate and compromise and respect how each other feels. And that's not always easy because if you think, ah, it's no big deal, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going out, I'm doing, so what, they come in the house, so what, they do this or that. And the other one's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm so uncomfortable with that, I don't want to get sick, I'm paranoid. Uh, you're going to create some friction there. So I think that in this particular situation, we have to respect our partner and especially when it comes to the same house that we that we live in right so i'm sure other people have experiences and i want to know if if others want to just weigh in on that and tell me how you handled that particular situation when it comes to um just uh you know letting loose a little bit with uh with guidelines and get-togethers and such. Listen, I know a lot of people who are not, even though restaurants are open, not comfortable going to restaurants. Gyms are open, not comfortable going to the gym, not comfortable going to the hairdresser, not comfortable with the idea of 10 people in their home. Like there's a, a, a lot of people who are still very anxious about those things. So just imagine, put yourself in a situation where you're with someone who feels completely uh, the opposite. Yes, this is going to create a lot of tension and, um, Hopefully not fighting disagreements, yes, but trying to find, coming to a common ground or finding a solution where both of you feel comfortable and where both of you feel um, respected, actually. I completely thought we were on the same page. We did not send the kids to camp and we still aren't. Well, Sometimes we need to really talk it out. We may think we're on the same page, but we're not checking in with, uh, with our partner. Uh, wouldn't a better term for constructive relationship tension be challenging one another rather than fighting, which appears to have negative connotations comparatively? Um, you want to be, yes, I, I agree, except that that's not how, um, you know, many couples do fight. They are not challenging each other because they get nasty. And this is where I want to talk about fighting fairly. What is a a fair fight? Because there's fighting, arguing, for example, or challenging each other. And then there's fighting. And unfortunately, I've seen my fair share of, of couples where Obviously, they're the ones who are going to seek help uh, more. Couples who are in far more distress or have a lot of conflict that they cannot resolve. So I see the worst of the worst, right? I I, I see couples who engage in in some really down and dirty fighting with each other. um, And they have to learn uh, new skills, new communication skills, because this can only be destructive 
to a relationship. But I'm curious about you and how, how do you resolve a fight? Do you feel that your fighting is fair, that you have been able to fair, to fight fairly and to resolve things quickly in, uh, in your relationship? And I'm not just talking about now. I mean, these are, again, these times are, quite challenging and there may be more conflicts during these times. But if you've, before the pandemic, if you were good at resolving issues, well, that should continue. Even if you end up having more disagreements or more arguments, um, these are skills that we take, that we can use at, uh, at any time. Uh, interesting uh, text says that is the ultimate in disrespect from a partner who does not self selflessly minimize COVID risk for the more concerned partner. Look in the mirror. Um, I agree. I, listen, I think it, it is disrespectful and I, yes, especially during times like this, we can't just dismiss a partner's uh, anxiety. We have to respect it too and try to understand it as well. So it might not, you might not like it, but nonetheless, right? So what are some of the signs? And I want to talk about these, but the signs that you are not fighting fair and maybe, maybe you'll recognize yourself in this. And, and if you do, if, if you if you realize that the two of you have been fighting dirty and not fighting fair, I hope, I really hope that you reach out and, uh, find yourself a, a marriage counselor, a couple counselor who can teach you and help you, uh, resolve some of the more important issues, but also give you new skills as to how to deal with particular conflicts and help you understand what you're actually fighting about. Because sometimes couples fight on the surface of things, but there are other things that are far deeper, deeper resentments, for example, accumulation of resentments that even though it looks like you're fighting about silly things, mostly that's really not what you're fighting about. There's usually after a little bit of digging, there's all kinds of stuff that comes up that has accumulated over time. So do you and your partner fight fair? A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Do you and your partner fight fair? You know, there's fighting and then there's fighting. Which one do you do? We'll talk about that. But first, let's get to the lines here. Patricia joins us. Hi, Patricia. Good evening, doctor. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Good. I'm going to be 80 years old on the 18th of this month. Hey, happy birthday. That's a big one. Good thank for you. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to say, if you give me a few minutes, uh, I met my husband. I picked him up in the bar. <laughs> How long and ago? When I walked in the door, I never went to that bar, and I said, that's the meant for me. <laughs> that's my kind of woman. <laughs> we got married in Las Vegas. Okay. <laughs> he was oh. Air Force pilot. Very cool. W-2. And how did you fight when you fought? We didn't fight. You never fought, ever? Did not fight. We would talk things out. Oh, good. Okay. So you did have disagreements. 
disagreements about little things, nothing much. Mm-hmm. Um, he was such a wonderful husband. Aw, so nice. And I to... had a wonderful life with him. You know, thank you for calling, Patricia. I really appreciate that because it's always so nice. In my line of work, I really only hear the, the bad stories. I like to hear the good. So thank you for sharing uh, the good and inspiring the rest of us. Appreciate it. Uh, Marley joins us on the line. Hi, Marley. Hi. Hi, how are you? Um, I'm fine. Good. Good. What do you um, have to say? So... I have a question. Yeah. What do I do when my parents are fighting, and is there anything I can do to break them up or help hmm. them, like, stop raising their voices, raising their voices? Yeah. How old are you, Marley? Um, I'm 15. You're 15. Okay. It's not your job to uh, get in between them or to buffer between them or to solve their issues, but you can tell them how it makes you feel to hear them fighting and tell them to grow up and learn to communicate and say, Hey, why don't you guys go and get some help so that you learn how to better communicate because your fighting is affecting me. All right. Okay. But you do not step in there. It's not your job to fix them. It's their job. They're the grownups here. So I don't want you to be the feeling any way responsible to uh to make you know for them to to not have any any fights it's not up to you so don't don't feel responsible for it but you you're certainly welcome to tell them how it makes you feel and it maybe it'll be a wake-up call to them to say hey do we want to do this to our kids no they should go and get help so that you can tell them you have my my blessing and my permission (laughs) (laughs) all right right, thank Thank you. you for calling marley take care uh, well, there you go. There you see how it affects children. Uh, you know, people were, uh, somebody had asked me about that. Um, this is what happens. Kids get, feel like they don't know what to do. Uh, oftentimes they play the role of buffer because they want to, uh, or they, they distract their parents by acting out so that the parents don't fight and they focus more on them to keep them away from each other. That's, it makes me sad when I see that because it's not that poor kids should not have to deal with this kind of thing. Figure out your crap guys. And you know, if you need the help, get help, but your kids can, are suffering the consequences of these fights. Just remember that they, and they have big ears. Little kids have really big ears. You think they can hear you. They hear lots of stuff. So always, uh, remember that. Uh, please let her know that it's not her fault that they fight, somebody wrote in. You're right. It is uh, absolutely not your fault. Uh, Let's see. Nobody wants to accept the idea they need a marriage counselor or any counselor. Well, I mean, look, I don't think that's true. I don't think nobody wants to accept that. I think it takes a long time before a couple seeks help. It does. Uh, Generally, um, and, and there's been some research on that. Uh, couples wait, you know, multiple years b- of conflict before they finally say, you know what, <laughs> we're not like, we better get some help. And it's oftentimes it's after there's been a lot, a lot of conflict, a lot of water under the bridge. So it makes my job harder, but 
not impossible. And uh, so I encourage couples who are having the same types of fights over and over again, they can't seem to resolve anything or their fights are dirty fights, meaning there's, they're hitting below the belt a lot. They get nasty with each other. These are the most detrimental kinds of fights actually. And they really, really, uh, should get help to, to help them figure this out. So what is unfair, unfair fighting, uh, unfair fighting is anything that you do during a conflict that doesn't serve to help you understand your partner or to be understood. Because when there's a disagreement, what do you want? You want to be heard. You want your opinion to be heard and validated, and you need to do the same for the other person. And then we can, we can arrive at some solution or some, uh, some form of, um, compromise or, or something. So when you're not fighting fair is when you are, uh, basically an emotional bully or you're using, uh, blackmail, like when one or both of you are kind of punishing the other person, uh, for bringing up a, a complaint or, or something that you're not happy with or, uh, a difficulty. And, uh, what is this? Usually it, it's, you just end up shutting down the conversations. Like you don't even want to, you don't even want to go there. Uh, bullying usually is, uh, takes the form of reacting with extreme anger or offense to uh, a partner's complaints, for example. And so what ends up happening there again, there's a shutdown or I'm not even going to go there because I don't want to trigger that response, but that's not fair right? Because you don't get to be heard in a situation, uh, like that ever, because there's a fear, uh, of doing that. Um, and emotional blackmail usually is something like reacting to the complaints or the difficulties by, um, becoming like overwhelmingly distraught by something your partner is, uh, bringing up. Right. And, and one of the ways to say is, well, if I'm so bad, why don't you just leave me or why are you still here? Why are you with me then? If I'm that bad, right. That would be a, a form of emotional, uh, blackmail. Uh, text writes in, I normally make a great effort to approach disagreements and arguments as maturely as possible, thereby employing civilized speech and behavior, such as ample logic, reason, common sense, fairness, proper communication skills, consideration, self-restraint. Wow. All the things you need. Uh, however, I must admit when my partner or anyone else for that matter, assumes the path of least resistance, hence demonstrating utter disregard and respect for such constructive values and principles, preferring to succumb to the immaturity of their destructive ego. Instead, I eventually lose my patience, thereby becoming resentful of the fact and losing it, unfortunately. And sometimes it gets to that point, but remember it, it takes two to do this dance, right? Not just, uh, not just one. 
uh, text writes, maybe she can tell, so this is for uh, Marley, our, our teenage caller, uh, tell her parents that yelling fixes nothing. Why can't you both just discuss it in a normal tone of voice? Or give her parents the three rules from the poem. <laughs> yes, that would be also good. Um, I remember something long ago. A girlfriend came over upset because she found out her boyfriend was cheating. I asked her what she wanted to do to him. She said, beat the crap out of him. I told her to, to punch me. She refused and began to pound my chest harder and harder. After a few minutes, she stopped, cried in my arms, but said she felt better to get her frustration out. I wouldn't get it out on a person, but I have suggested to people get it out on a pillow, scream into a pillow, don't don't uh, hurt people or uh, or property, uh, things like that. <laughs> uh, somebody said, Doctor, are you not breaking the law by talking to people below 18 years old? Is your station not accountable to Canadian law? I'm not breaking the law by speaking to anybody we put a uh it's not a it's not a legal thing uh to to talk to people or get letters from people either or texts can't control that um anyhow but that's a, a an interesting thing that you bring up nonetheless F fighting fairly let's talk about hitting below the belt tonight we're talking about fighting and the worst kind of fighting when when fights are not when you're not fair fighting okay every couple has arguments most couples anyway uh, people do have conflicts that's normal we're different people we have different opinions uh, and we can have conflict but it's how you fight not when you fight or even how much you fight but how you do this that um, really matters and we were talking about certainly what's not fair is if there's any kind of uh, emotional bullying or or blackmail but hitting below the belt have you ever met couples where or maybe you are a couple that uses a lot of uh, name calling or derogatory over generalizations about uh, the other person's character that should be 100 percent off limits, um, not acceptable, hitting below the belt. Uh, this really makes fights toxic or unhealthy, if you will. And these are things like um, things that we say to our partner for the sole purpose of hurting them. That's not fighting fairly. That does not advance our cause. That does not make us feel understood. It does not, uh, it, it does not, you can't reach a level of agreement when this is what's happening. So, um, unfortunately I, I can, you know, we can understand why this happens. It usually happens in a fight when both people or one person is so frustrated that they feel hopeless about ever being understood. But, um, if this happens, you need to stop. You need to stop, cool down, think, and then come back uh, to talking. Um, because if you let this escalate, it, it, it doesn't go anywhere good. So that is not the place uh, to be. Another uh, unfair fight sign, let's say, is when you're not able to admit that you're wrong. 
Like it could be that you mishandled the situation. We, we have, you, one person can't always be right. You, you can make mistakes. We are humans and we can make mistakes. We have to be able to, um, admit to it and apologize, but not apologizing like, um, Hey, what I did was, you know, was not nothing compared to what she did or what he did or something like that. That's like, that's a one-upmanship and that doesn't work either. And that means that there are, to me, deeper issues, uh, that are going on there. Uh, aren't there specific services catering to the physical release of frustrations, such as smashing scrapyard trash with a sledgehammer or something? Certainly a better substitute as compared to imposing physical violence upon another human being instead. You're right. And there are, um, but in the moment when you want to let out your frustrations, let's say you may not have time to go look up or, or go to drive to whatever screaming into a pillow or pounding a pillow is far safer than, uh, pounding on anybody or throwing some, some property that you have or destroying property or anything like that. Another, um, element of, uh, unhealthy fighting is something that John Gottman, who is, uh, the guru in, in relationships and has written all kinds of stuff says is one of the biggest predictors of divorce. And he says when they're, when couples express this, he can, he's, he's, he can actually predict couples who will divorce just based on the, the kinds of fights that they, uh, the way that they, the way that they fight. And one of those elements is stonewalling. Stonewalling is when you shut down and you just withdraw. This is not, I'm taking time off to cool off and I'll come back and talk to you. This is different. This is, that would be healthy, right? To be able to say, I'm feeling my pressure go up. I'm feeling angry. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to take a time out. I'm going to think about this, or I'm going to just cool down and then I'll come back and discuss it with you. Um, that's different. This is when a person completely, um, withdraws. It's not that they don't, they're not intending to revisit this, uh, this issue. It's, they don't, they don't address it. They just shut it down and then wait till the other person simmers down or whatever, but they, they don't come back to it. Right. So shutting somebody down, um, I don't know if you've ever experience this, but somebody may, may completely shut down and, and leave the room, go to another room. And then they're being chased by the other partner because the conversation isn't over, right? The, the fight isn't over. Or there hasn't been a resolution. And then this cycle happens and uh, bad. This is not healthy at all, uh, for a couple who keeps doing this, right? It's, but understand that if you need to cool down, if you need to leave the situation because you want to cool down, you have to be able to verbalize that to your partner, to be able to say, I need to cool down, but I will come back. Another way of saying it is the, the silent treatment, right? As this texture writes in silent treatment drives me nuts, especially when it lasts too long. The silent treatment is though is, is terrible. It's, I mean, this is stonewalling is one of the worst, um, way it's just, it's not good. <laughs> I can't even, it's like, it's destructive is what it is. Destructive. 
Um, I couldn't agree with you more, Lori. Hitting below the belt is beyond unacceptable. And even worse is concocting false accusations against an innocent person. Yes. And, and also making them feel like they're the crazy one, right? A lot of this stuff can happen in abusive relationships too, although not all couples who fight like this are in abusive situations, but you see a lot of stonewalling and, um, um, what's the word I'm looking gaslighting, which is making the other person feel like they're the problem, making the other person feel like their, their perceptions are wrong, that they're the ones who there's something wrong with them. You see that often in uh, more abusive, uh, situations. Um, five, one, four, 800, still got a couple of minutes left. If you want to get in, uh, some of, uh, your thoughts here. Another way that is unhealthy or something else that's unhealthy when it comes to fighting is when you are not trying to understand your partner's perspective in healthy communication. This is, should be the goal, right? One of the, I mean, the goal is, you know, resolving a problem, but in order to be able to resolve a problem, we have to be able to a express properly our perception or our perspective and listen to the other person's perspective. Um, that's really, uh, really important. Ask yourself, are, are you really trying to understand your partner's perspective or are you just focused on have, having your partner understand you first and foremost? It has to go both ways and that, because otherwise you get, you can get stuck there, right? People can get stuck in their point of view and keep repeating their point of view and repeating their point of view um, without ever trying to understand the others. doesn't mean that you have to change your point of view. You don't have to agree with it, but you do have to get it. You have to get to a point when you say, okay, I get it. I get your point of view. It's different from mine, but I get it. And, uh, and that's important. So those are some of the elements of, uh, people who fight unfairly. And of course, people who fight for the sake of fighting, clearly there's a a deeper issue in, in that, uh, relationship. Some people, um, you know, fight immaturely as well, or say, you know, like say things like, um, well, clearly you'd be happier without me and clearly we should get a a divorce or clearly, you know, whatever it is. Well, that will just kill the, there is nowhere to go with that. So you cannot exchange in that when somebody says, well, you know, I guess I should leave then or something like that. Right. Cause then now it becomes about another issue. Um, so there's, uh, there's that element as well. Uh, And, you know, blaming the blame game. If you, if, uh, the fight is about just blame. Again, you're not trying to resolve anything. You're just playing uh, the blame game. So remember, no personal attacks. You can disagree. You don't have to attack someone's character to disagree with them, right? So let's all be better at this. How about that? Let's all work at that. And if you cannot or feel you're having trouble resolving, please, please, please reach out for help. This is what we do as therapists, as as anybody who's a marriage counselor, this is what we're trained to do is to help couples through that process. So let's, um, don't be afraid to reach out uh, for help 
And if anybody wants a referral or you want to ask me questions about therapy or what have you, please send me an email and I will be very happy to, uh, to help you with that. Thank you all for your texts, your phone calls. Uh, do appreciate it. Uh, thank you to our uh, wonderful technical producer tonight, Jimmy Garufalis. I got it, Garufalis. Uh, thank you, uh, and to all of you, of course. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next year on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, and remember to live your life with passion.